Hi, welcome to Of Bajor episode three. I'm at Hatercles with my co-host at Roger Clark. Hello. And today we actually have a treat. We have our first guest at Wrangle Island who just finished watching DS9 for the first time. So Wrangle, why don't you tell us a little about that and how you got into Star Trek in the first place? Hey guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, I've always been kind of aware and peripherally interested in Star Trek. I think I'm a little younger than the both of you, so I sort of missed the train on yeah. seeing it as it's airing. Yeah, it's heyday. Yeah, in its heyday, I was not a pettiness of Star Trek if I was even going to watch it. But I, I was always sort of aware more of TNG and those characters. I, I saw all the movies. I, I saw Nemesis in theaters, yeah. which is just a really great movie to bring like a third grader to <laughs> yeah like when picard drags his guts through a spike to to try to kill oh no oh. tom hardy the, oh, the yeah, evil beautiful. picard drags his guts through a spike bane yeah bane yeah <laughs> bane uh bane crashes his starship with no survivors um but yeah so i was always more into tng and last year or so, I had been kind of getting bugged to watch Deep Space Nine by multiple people, including uh, Doug's here. So I just decided to do that, and I, I think it's great. <laughs> what, what do you like about DS9 compared to TNG? Uh, DS9, it's hard for me to say it's better because, like, to me, TNG was so iconic, so I was kind of resistant to it. But it's a much better aged show. It's very modern in a lot of ways. It feels like a modern TV show. It has storylines and it has complex characters, you know, and those things on its own don't make it good. They just enable the good writing to kind of elevate it. Like, it's what it uses to tell a, a complex story that's fun. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have the most, like, non-recurring characters, I think, of any. Like, none of the Evertreks have as many. Well, they have Alexander. That's a yeah. good character, but he crosses over into DS9, which yeah. really, I think, puts the series over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great character. Actually, I, I kind of liked Alexander's characterization in DS9. I think it's because the guys who did it, Ronald D. Moore, I think he thought a little bit more about Alexander than the guys who, who wrote the TNG episodes did. Yeah, maybe we should get to the episodes. The first one is Babel. DS9's first in that old Star Trek chestnut of they have to cure a space virus in X amount space of time. Space disease. Yeah, or else everyone's going to die. And this virus is pretty interesting in that the way it affects you is by... Aphasia? Yeah, but basically it makes it so what you say doesn't match what you intended to say. Basically preventing you from communicating with anyone. I guess because we can't hear them, so I'm not really sure, like, when they're affected, can they hear? Can They can understand, but I was having the impression, like, when you're affected, you can understand what the non-affected are telling you. Yeah, it was kind of unclear in the episode the way that even worked. You just can't contact, them, communicate with them, so I guess. Yeah. I guess it's not that important. Well, there's the there's the little bit where, like, Bashir is looking at his computer and the words on the computer change to, to gobbledygook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't read or be spoken to. Yeah, it seems like it sucks. Pretty shitty disease. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a pretty shitty plan because it, I, I don't know if you want to get into, like, the plot, like, the real meat, but... but Yeah, we get, yeah I mean, that was on air 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just talk about whatever. 
No, but like, so it's basically a, a sabotaged, like, it's a booby trap that gets activated by O'Brien that was originally put there by a Bajoran uh, terrorist, Bajoran rebel, to sabotage the Cardassian, I guess, right when Deep Space Nine was built. Which they revealed in this episode was 18 years ago. It was built 18 years ago. Uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the lifespan of, I guess it's starships and stations are supposed to last a while in this universe but i mean it probably like depends i guess also on the class and stuff i can't imagine most ships are, are retired before they become like i don't know an operation or something i mean we i've mean, seen there's still like tons of mirandas and excelsior which we know were built around the original series times or at least initially built you know i don't know i don't think it's you no know, it's ever said where we're the ones that we see in the next generation era are ones that were built like in the tos era so we never really get that like how long a starship's lifespan is they just put a new graphics card in it every couple of years yeah, <laughs> but you know uh, the the warp core is those last a while. You don't have to upgrade those. Yeah, we know like in, in all good things that um how far did future did that take place and the enterprise because it, that had the enterprise still. It was like twenty years or something. Yeah, and obviously the, the original enterprise I think it lasted pretty long. But it wasn't the enterprise, and the I don't want to get all nerdy. Doesn't he go on to Beverly Crusher's hospital ship? The Pascal. Yeah, but they also have the Enterprise, which is like commanded by Riker, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and it has a it has a yeah. third nacelle. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's for um a TNG podcast to talk that's about. That's to yeah. represent Riker's uh, <laughs> yeah. legendary third leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but I was gonna say, so so this virus, it's a horrible disease, but it's also pretty bad because. It was supposed to kill all the Cardassians, I guess, but all it does is confuse them, and then it takes like a couple days, and then you die. You should have just made a virus that makes you die. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's yeah. lots and lots of those. It doesn't really make sense. Well, maybe they wanted the Cardassians to like sweat it out and like suffer a bit, maybe. Like, being unable to communicate with each other. Like, they wanted Dakot to be like wandering the corridors, babbling nonsense, terrified, and trying to communicate. Maybe they wanted that. Oh, they must have really hated Cardassians. Who made this virus, O'Brien? <laughs> yeah, I, I, the the virus itself, I don't know, like, it's a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more interesting than, like, if it was just, like, you know, the standard, like, oh, it just makes you really sick. Yeah, it just makes you die. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more boring. Yeah, I mean, it definitely like, makes it more interesting than just that, which, you know, we obviously, we've seen a lot on Star Trek before and since, and, like, every other sci-fi show and a lot of non-sci-fi shows too so i think yeah this definitely like, distinguishes it so i think that was a good um i guess we should ask like i guess because we kind of like just jumped into i just saying like how do you feel like i i like this episode i think it's a good solid early episode i, I like the fact that it's an o'brien episode and actually the next episode is also an o'brien episode yeah i feel like this one is more of a it's not anybody's episode it's like a um ensemble oh you think so well O'Brien, yeah he's at I mean, kind of like he's it. He's only in the start, and then he gets sick and he lays in a bed. Yeah, he's not really in the beginning, and then... Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of one where everybody, like, Kira has to go down, and then Quark and Odo have to, like, stop the panicky alien from... It's an ensemble show, because everyone sort of gets picked off one by one to where they become... And everyone kind of gets something to do. Yeah. I love, like, Bill Bryan's, like... It always reminds me, like, in the beginning, when he's just, like, bitching about how everyone does... And it's just the way he does that female, like, oh, my car... I forget what he says, but just him talking about female voice. Yeah, he was, like, making voices and, and making fun of people. Replicator's broken, Chief. Yeah. Yeah, I, re I really like O'Brien as, like, a, st a stressed-out, like, tech support yeah. guy. That's yeah, something that's I can like, relate to a lot. Yeah, I can I can relate to that, too. I was thinking they really need 
need like one of those like uh, gimmicky like pop culture shirts uh, wherever they sell those hot topic and it, it should be uh, like a little picture of O'Brien and it should be a uh, you know no I will not fix your sonic shower <laughs> that, that would go over well yeah. yeah, you ever notice they always say sonic shower and not just shower? Even though if the only kind of shower... They would just, just call it a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it's like the same thing as like we talked about like last episode about like the animals. It's like it can't just be a normal... If it's, you know, said in the future, it has to be like some pie version of what... It can't, it just can't simply like do something that we do now. Or, yeah, it has to be a space version. Yeah. And I guess maybe like sonic, maybe it like saves water. I guess if it's just like... I assume that means like it uses sound somehow to clean you or something. It uses like waves. But yeah, that is a Star Trek thing that's kind of like an eye roller. I mean, it's part of the show, but like even in the yeah. pilot yeah. at the end. It's not just Star Trek. It's like, I think like every, like pretty much every sci-fi show does it. At the end, O'Brien's like, a, oh, I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to play a Roladen wild draw with you. It's like, yeah. can't you just say poker? You're a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're a yeah, human, O'Brien. He, well, he said poker in the, in the pilot too. Like after Kira like, like was bluffing about how, oh, we have lost, to Cardassians, how we have lost of weapons. He said, oh, remind me never... What did he say? He poker says, was no, like... he says something like Roladen Wild oh, yeah. Draw. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, well, again, it's like, I guess they feel like, oh, it can't just, you know, I guess they thought people were get, like, poker, I could hear, I could But they play the poker in the, the next Simpsons. generation. <laughs> yeah, I know. They still play it. It's not like baseball like... where only, uh, only uh, weirdos like it in the future. Yeah. <laughs> baseball sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. One thing I liked was, like, the replicator. I guess there's a lot to say about replicators, and the way they distribute this virus is through this replicator booby trap. And, again, there's so much you can say about replicators. Like, O'Brien tests the replicator to see if it's working by seeing if the coffee tastes good. He, like, orders a cup of coffee, and, and he's like, he tastes it. It's like, oh, well, it's good. But... Like, if the replicator's manufacturing matter out of nothing, it seems like a lot could go wrong with that. Like, what if it screwed up and just made poison or something? It's like, oh, I'm just gonna try this. Oops. Maybe you could say it's like an everything, like, you know, maybe he's still thinking, like, oh, he's on the Enterprise and, like, you know, everything. So it's like, that would be out of the question, like, that someone would, like, sabotage the replicators would, like, not be safe. So maybe he's still, like, you know, still thinking that where it's just, worst case scenario, it doesn't taste good. Yeah, or maybe that it's just like a an engineer thing where he he's just so used to banging on something and then trying it that yeah. it, it works that way. But you'd think he would take a tricorder to that coffee, you know? <laughs> Make sure that it's sugar in it and not arsenic. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, it's also interesting, like, we talked about this last episode, like, Rom, I think for the first three seasons, we kind of have, like, I guess an unplanned arc of him, because in the first episode, in the early episode, he's, like, very much, like, the typical, like, kind of, like, the Ferengi we had seen in Next Generation, like, you know, his voice, like, doesn't like his kid hanging out with humans, or, well, actually, he's one of the ones who doesn't say that, he says humans normally, and I thought, like, it's funny, because, like, the way Odo realizes that Quark is lying about, oh, my, about how he's getting, he's, like, he says, oh, my Rom fixed it, he's, like, Rom couldn't fix it, you know, he couldn't fix, I forget what he says, but it's, like, you know, he's like, Rom's a dumbass, he couldn't fix it. And then we later learn that the series, like, no, Rom's actually pretty smart. And he is a good engineer. Yeah, that's kind of the irony of it. I, they didn't, obviously didn't plan that. But, well, Rom isn't really himself until, like, season two, maybe. Because, not to get into other episodes, but there's the one, the first one with the Nagus. He tries to murder Quark. That's not a very Rom thing to do. Yeah, Rom would not murder someone. That's just silly. Well, like I said before, I think, like, like I kind of get the feeling that maybe, like, before, like, he met the DS9 characters, he was probably, like, spending his whole life trying to live, like, what Ferengi were supposed to live like. And so, I, like, I kind of imagine, like, yeah, but the probably is probably, like, you know, oh, well, I, I don't want to do it, but, you know, that's what us Ferengi are supposed to do, so. Like, he was reluctantly trying to kill Quark? <laughs> What's... 
That's what I'm supposed to do, brother. Yeah, well, it's just, I guess, for any <laughs> life, like, you know, you, you know, and obviously, like, we saw at the end of that episode, Quark was like, he gave a positive reinforcement for that. He'd say, hey, I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> yeah. Just being near the Nagus makes you worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say it's, like, season two, pretty, I just say it's, like, mostly season three, where I feel like War Rom is, like, fully formed. Because that's, like, I guess, I feel like the episode where Nog wants to go to Starfleet, and, like, at the end, like, Quark says, no, you're not going, and, like, Rom, like, stands up to him and, like, says, no, my son's going. I feel like that's kind of like the episode where the Rom we know kind of fully debuts. Yeah. Yeah, Rom's great. Yeah, he is. So what else, what else should we say about this episode? I think there was a lot going on. It seemed like there was no. Maybe there a wasn't bit. really though. I, I was. I wanted to say earlier. I, I don't. I liked this episode a little more this time than the first time I watched it. But I don't think it's really a good episode. It has some <laughs> yeah. fun parts, but they kind of waste the premise. When I think of Star Trek, I think like it should make some kind of like a not really make a point. It doesn't have to make like a social point every time or like some kind of commentary. But it should make you think about something. This doesn't make me think about anything. Like you think it would make you think about like, oh, how do we communicate? Like, oh, you know, oh, language. Yeah. But it does. It's just like, oh, they can't talk, and Tira tricks. She kidnaps a guy, and he figures out how to fix it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant when I said there was a lot going on. It's still early in the series, so I feel like they're also like they're still focusing on like getting us to know the characters. This is a good one for that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I guess also they figured like, because, you know, it is like a, a port. That is like something that, you know, like you would have to deal, a port would deal with like, you know, like an outbreak of, of some kind of like. So I guess they also thought, like, okay, we should get that out of the way soon. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess also, yeah, because like I, we said, like, you know, it's like, it's not really, you know, kind of gives everyone kind of gets something to do in the episode. Like, you know, Bikira gets to cure it. Kira gets to go. I, I wonder why they involved these, like, two other characters, though. Like, the Captain Jahil and... I, I was going to mention Ren. Captain Jahil. Like, He's my Captain favorite. Jahil, I, I didn't He's understand. my favorite. <laughs> I love you know him. Is that the alien who's, like, complaining about, oh, we have to go, or else my... He's the clinically depressed alien. <laughs> Yeah, his hair was all fucked up. He's got a he's got a depression beard. He he's wearing <laughs> what appears to be just a sweater, even though he's some kind of a captain <laughs> yeah. of a ship. I don't know if he's a Federation citizen. I don't think so. I think he's just like a random trader. Well, they're fixing his ship for free, so <laughs> Okay. But it's the Federation. They do everything for free. Well, that's why right? he has no want... right to complain. But he he's I love Captain Jahil. I think he should be a recurring character. It's a waste. <laughs> He should show up in every episode where there's something going wrong on the station, which is every episode. Oh, and he should be a... Just like whenever he's there, he's just like stuck there. I just want to leave. Yeah. And it's like, nope, sorry, we're under attack by by this force. You can't. Get, yeah, he shows up when the Klingons attack. He shows up when the Dominion attacks. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a waste because he's a really... Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah. I imagine he's from some kind of planet where, like, you know, every every race has a gimmick where they, they value logic or honor. I, I think yeah. he just comes from, from, like, the, the seasonal job. affective disorder planet. <laughs> yeah. It's constantly, like, November 30th. Yeah. <laughs> You may have thought more about this character than anyone else since this episode was aired. I was Googling, I was looking him up on Memory Alpha last night. I was like, Captain Jahil. What, what? Did you look him up in Memory Beta? Has he like show up any books or anything? I, you know, I did. He was mentioned in a, in a novel. The no first, way. yes, the, well, the first novel that was written in the DS9, in the DS9 oh, series. Oh, The Siege? Uh, sure. <laughs> Apparently the writer only had access to like the scripts of the first five episodes. Yeah. 
So he just he just wrote in like everything from the first five episodes. And maybe he thought Jahil was going to be a major character. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he like, wow, this Jahil, he's going to like, he's like, yeah, when people see this Jahil, they're going to be demanding more of him. <laughs> yeah, he was so inexpressive. His face just didn't do anything. Yeah, he really makes me mad and makes me want someone to punch him, which is why I think he's a good character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess he's mostly in there because they felt like they needed, a, in addition to the virus, like a more physical threat. The physical threat is that he wants to leave, but he has a boot on his ship still. <laughs> and the and the boot would cause damage if it tore off. Yeah. I do love Quark of that scene. Like, when he gets on the an ops, like, it's so... The way he's just taking it all in, he's just, like, really, like, amuses him that he, like, Odo has to turn to him to, for help. One thing I noticed is they didn't mention at all that Quark didn't get the disease. Did they? He just... It's just a, it's just a throwaway line the, about, like, the yeah. Ferengi immune system. Yeah. But there's other Ferengis and there weren't there. Well, I guess Quark's is particularly strong. <laughs> Quark's robust. Yeah. <laughs> But like I said, that's my favorite part. I think it's just Odo. It's like when he comes in and he's just like, yeah, he's just on off and he's just like, is odd, but he's also not like an all like, oh, I should, oh, wow, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, I'm here. Wow, this place is pretty nice. Yeah. And I love the way he says energize when like, Odo realizes, oh, he actually hasn't done. Well, it doesn't really look that hard. I mean, you just have to push a button, right? It must be pretty easy. I guess it's like, if in case if I was like, because I guess there are times where like, oh, but like, oh, it's faint and they need someone like do some extra things to get someone in. I guess. In that case, you would need someone who's no, but it seems like as long as if that's not for a routine, I guess you... I mean, the UI's got to be pretty easy. No one ever gets transported into, like, the wall, which I think is a waste. I think it's, like, Enterprise. Like, that the... does happen on the Enterprise, Yeah, I think. because, it's, like, the idea is it takes place before, like, the, at the time the series starts, it's, like, the transport's really only used for, like, transporting cargo. Yeah, and this, like, I think the pilot, like, they transport some guy and it's, like, there's rocks in his body or something. Oh, no, yeah, they need more telefragging in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they they introduced Jahil. I like that they introduced Jah- I like that they introduced Jahil and then killed him off. He doesn't and- die. They didn't kill him off. Yeah, they say Wait, they say Otto's Otto pulls him yeah, off. He loses his ship though, so he has to hopefully his plans like the Federation is like a commie utopian and they'll just pay for it. He's like the Hans Molman of Deep Space yeah. Nine. <laughs> I really do wish now that he was a recurring character who just basically like that. Like he was just. I'm here on my vacation to Bajor in the village where the uh, mean cloud comes. Oh, Brian, what are you doing? Please. I just wanted to take a vacation. (laughs) Ah, Ryza. Now I can finally relax. (laughs) Oh, it's raining. That's got to be one of the worst episodes of this show. That one you just mentioned. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> well, also the one I mentioned is also horrible. It's really the horrible ones that come to your mind yeah. first. France Quark. I don't think that one's that bad. Oh, yeah, I, I, I I I like all the Ferengi episodes. Besides honestly. the prod- prob- problematic nature, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was like progressive for its i don't know we'll get to that when we talk to that one i guess did anyone notice that keiko didn't show up at all during the episode despite the fact that o'brien was diseased and he was gonna die uh me she was off did they have a line like me she was like off with molly or something i think she probably just also got the disease like o'brien brought home takeout like from the other replicator he brought home like a japanese irish fusion cuisine <laughs> so i guess this is from the ops replicator which 
okay there's like the so like the reason that everyone on the whole station gets it is because quark was using the ops replicators or well, not the ops but just command like replicators a, a command level replicator yeah. to, to because his replicators are broken and o'brien didn't fix them blah 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 I, I don't find that realistic because it, it was literally just him going into a room and like ordering a random drink and then he's going to bring that back to his bar. Like, what if they order something else? Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it does seem like that would take a long time just to get longer. Yeah, he's like go down the hall at least. Even if he had, even if it was in the next room, it would still take a while. Yeah, yeah. I see the idea he doesn't trust his like ROM or any of his waiters with it. Yeah, that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. It does also make me this, and this is like a few other Quark apps where I kind of like, because you know, like, obviously his whole thing is that he's dodgy and you know, kind of like, you know, but there are some times where it's like, you kind of wonder, well, should he be punished a little more for this? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, he did like, I mean, I guess no one died. I mean, where it happens, and he does help out at the end, but he still, he like did by breaking it, like inadvertently like cause a pandemic, like a big, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I feel like he... We don't exactly learn what happened. This in like a few episodes where I kind of does feel like... I mean, you can't blame him for the virus. But he still, I don't know, you still do feel like, you know, realistically, like he would get, you know, like kind of a little more, but you know, some kind of punishment. He does cut deals like, with Cisco sometimes. Yeah, I guess you like could say Like he's like, that. oh, well, like he pays, pays off stuff for the station. Yeah, he helps get in contact with the guy, that blue alien. Who... This is the first episode where Quark hacks the computer with his secret data rod he's just got like it's just like the the scripts like it's like the uh like the hacking tool yeah. like usb it's stick like yeah it's he's just a script in there although the station's security is really lax if he can do that but i'll blame the cardassians well, it's the Federation who are telling Odo, oh, no, you need a reason to arrest someone rather than just, oh, he looks like a bad guy. So you can say, like, me, Odo's still adjusting, like, how to work with that. Sure. But it's Bajoran law, though. Uh, that's always murky. Yeah, who knows what's going on with the law there? Is it is it Federation law? I mean, they say the station is Federation run. So, yeah, but, yeah, they, it isn't clear about whether it's, like, Federation or Bajoran. I mean, we talked about this last episode, kind of, like, you know, whether they Duras sisters and, like, whether Cisco. They could have arrested them or not. They could have done whatever they wanted. Yeah. They always do whatever they want anyway. So yeah, it doesn't so really matter. it's convenient for the episode, like, I guess. Whether, if it's convenient for the Federation to be in charge, they are. If it's convenient for the, the Bedjoran to be in charge, they are. I mean, sometimes Kira gets to drive around the Defiant for some reason. She has no reason to do that. <laughs> just, just, we're taking Kira. Why? Why is she the first officer of the Defiant? <laughs> There's no reason, but she just is. <laughs> yeah, she's not a starship officer. She's just like a Bajoran lady. It makes sense she runs the station because it's the Bajoran station. She's there to administrate stuff, be a contact between the, the Starfleet and between, like, you know, the Bajoran staff, Odo's people. I mean, I well, technically, I think she's, like, third in command of the fight. I think she's very, like, both, it's, like, when, only when both Cisco and Worf, like, aren't available that she does. But, yeah, like, it's still, like, a little... Shouldn't Dax get to drive it around or O'Brien? O'Brien, his ranks permanently. Oh yeah, O'Brien is a lowly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. non-com, whatever. Uh, I, I'm still not exactly sure what that means, but it means that he didn't go to the academy. Okay, so how did he get in? So like the the same thing happens in like real military where you can just go sign up for the army and they just put you in there, but like. That doesn't mean that you will go to an army academy. Like, if you go to an army academy, okay. then you get your, when you get out, you're automatically a private or, or whatever. 
you're automatically put into the rank of an officer. Whereas if you just go sign up, then you just get thrown in there and without any kind of real training. So, okay, so O'Brien, like, he signed up for Starfleet, but he didn't go through Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Okay. He's, like, self-taught. He fought a bunch of Cardassians, and, and then somehow they found out he's good at engineering. <laughs> yeah. By the end of the episode... We have the threat of <laughs> Captain Jahil gets resolved, and Sirmac Wren, this random doctor that Kira tracks down on Bajor, gets brought to the station, and Kira ends up infecting him deliberately to force him she to help. Him. She gets real Candy. up close to him. I mean, it seemed kind of fucked up that the only way that he was willing to cooperate with Deep Space Nine to cure everybody of this disease was if he was already infected. Yeah, I don't know why he's so dodgy, because it's not like he'll get in trouble for being in the resistance. It's like, no, so was I. It's fine. <laughs> I forget. Was he afraid of, like, going? I mean, did he have to go to DS9? Like, would he have to have been infected to... Or could he have done it from where he, he could was? just remote like, in. I kind of thought that was... Yeah. They could just send him uh, their info. But I, I like when Kira does, like, illegal things not like uh she she just transports him off she just like she skypes at him again and she says like hey just checking to make sure you're in your office and she transports him <laughs> up without his consent i like when she's she acts like a terrorist instead of like a another boring star trek character yeah, because, I mean, if it's like, if we had access to transporters, we'd be doing stuff like that, too. I feel like I would have, like, I'd be like Barclay. I think I'd be scared that I was dying each time. Well, you do. That's how it works, <laughs> but ignore that. Uh, yeah, on the whole, I, I would say it's not one of my favorites. It, it just seems like there was a lot going on for no reason. Like, I don't know why Jahil was involved. I don't know why Cermak Wren was involved. And even the, the A-plot just seemed like it was the same old space disease kind of thing maybe bashir should have like been able to come up with a cure by like finding out something about language i, I don't know what that would be but maybe they'd learn how to translate it back i don't know because <laughs> the the solution to the problem has nothing to do with what the disease is it's just another thing that's happening maybe they could have brought in like those darmok aliens that's what I was thinking of is that's a much better episode. I mean, that would have been interesting. That's actually about like language. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like that could be a, you know, if you wanted to do that with them, that could have been an interesting sequel. I don't know if you want to do that. Maybe someone's done about the books. I don't know. But anyway, I would say about the episode, I, I guess I feel a little more better about it than you two. It's like, I agree that it's not like one of my favorites, but I think like for a show's first season, especially like this early on, you kind of have to give them like some leeway, like they're still finding and I think it's, like, a good, a solid early episode for a show because it, like, helps develop the characters, which I think is what the show, at this early point, is going to be focused on. It instantly establishes O'Brien, Rangel said earlier, as, like, the frustrated IT guy and does a lot of development with Odo and Quark. Yeah, we get that, oh, we're, I think this is the first time Quark, like, I mean, what we saw, we helped, obviously he tried to help Odo, like, you know, do some research on, like, you know, in uh, A Man Alone, but I think this is the first time he, like, kind of really steps up and, like, we see, oh, he's going to kind of, like, help save the day, I think. Yeah, the last line of the show, it kind of struck me as a little out of place where it's this comedy scene where Cisco gets some coffee out of the replicator and he takes a drink of it and I don't know if it's too hot or if it sucks or whatever. And then he just screams, Oh, Brian! What is this? Is, is this like a sitcom And then or they something? started playing the Deep Space Nine theme with a slap bass and <laughs> yeah. thought that was really out of place, but who am I to judge? 
The next episode, Captive Pursuit, is, I think it's one of the best episodes of season one. The main character, Tosk, is a really interesting character. Oh, just to remind people, in case this is the most dangerous game one with, like, O'Brien befriends an alien from the Gamma Quadrant, who it turns out is his species is hunted by another race known only as the Hunters. And so O'Brien is in that thing of being torn between helping his new friend and obeying the Prime Directive. Yeah, so this actually is an O'Brien episode, I yeah. think. Yeah, I like this one too. It's like, it's nice kind of like to see O'Brien like, you know, talks is like a sweet character. You know, I think everyone who watches this episode will like him. It's nice to see O'Brien like, you know, show a different kind of, because so far I think through the series, we primarily see him as like, you know, his role as like, you know, the engineer. And so here it's like nice to see him do something that's kind of, have a role that's kind of out of that. Like, you know, they didn't need to be O'Brien. It could have been pretty much any character, I guess, who befriended Tosk. But I think, yeah, O'Brien was a nice choice for it. Yeah, I wonder why they chose him. Cisco just dumps it on him. He says, like, okay, O'Brien, go fix his ship and also find out everything about him and uh, <laughs> walk him around. Again, this is the guy that didn't even go to the academy. I think he was just being lazy. I think he was like, you know, don't they have a counselor? Oh, they don't. But not until Esri, Esri comes. Yeah, that's kind of weird. You think they would. Yeah, this is like a first contact experience with the first thing that's come out of the wormhole. Like nothing has come out of the wormhole since the show started. He does say for, uh, yeah. we're going to forego formal first contact, but then uh, yeah. but then he's there for like a week. So you'd think they could get something. <laughs> There's got to be a bunch of like Starfleet, like liberal arts majors that are like way into like first contact procedures, like more than are into like engineering Everyone yeah. in the Federation is like a liberal arts major. Well, except for like the technical guys. It's them and then... I think they're all like nerds, but then they also like classical music is what I get. Yeah, or Cleon Opera. So was the other side of the wormhole open the whole time? Yeah, I guess the idea is like they were like... I guess it's like near other like places, but it's not like in the immediate vicinity of any like established. And that's why I took a bit. Space is pretty big, so it's just nobody stumbled onto it. I mean, Odo got sent through it. I guess it's just like space is really big. So even like all the members of the, the Dominion, no one ever found it. Well, yeah, I mean, it. It, takes a while, it takes like two seasons before they formally encounter the Dominion. Yeah, I kind of get the, the impression that the Dominion's kind of far away from the mouth of the wormhole. Although, I should mention that it was planned that later on that the Hunters are members of the Dominion. Like, apparently in the script for the Jem'Hadar, the Jem'Hadar's first appearance, it was mentioned that when they shroud with it, it was to look identical to, like, when Toss went invisible. Yeah. And I guess, like, the idea was, like, the Dominion engineered the Toss from, I guess, like, the same stock materials they've used to make this Jem'Hadar for, like, the Hunters as, like, that was what their prize for join the Dominion. There was planned for, um, in the season four finale, when they're, like, trying to find the Founder's new homeworld, like, when they did go on a Dominion ship, it was, like, a hunter was going to be piloting it. Interesting. Yeah, they should have done that. Yeah, because I did kind of feel like the Dominion, like, one of the few kind of things I would have liked to see more is I would have liked to see more than, of the Dominion than just, like, the Jem'Hadar founders in the Vorda fully, like, because I guess the idea about the Dominion was, like, it was, like, the anti-Federation. Like, rather than just one race, like, the Cleons or Romulans or Borg, it was, like, just a bunch of races, like, who were like the Federation combined, but for, you know, under a darker circumstance. So I would have liked to see more, and I guess like a after the wormhole got closed, I guess we didn't have much of that, but I would have liked to see more of the various races besides the big three in the Dominion. Yeah, we got to see those, the ones with the paint on their faces. The long face ones. Those are, yeah, the, they're kind of like, uh, they're like the reverse Karamanos. Ferengi. They're like the, the dark side Ferengi where yeah. they like making deals, but they also are big and like tall and act up. like Klingons at the same time. Yeah. I, I think it kind of makes sense that we don't see that many members of the Dominion 
because like if it goes along with like the founders motivation like i i think they don't i think they kind of see like their subject races as kind of like a burden and like if they could they just they'd just get rid of them all and just have Gemadar. But it's kind of like, it's too hard to do that many genocides. <laughs> Just Jiminar hanging out on every planet everywhere. Oh, and also I should mention that the guy who plays the main hunter. Yeah, Garrett Graham. Yeah, I know he's a character actor who's been in various stuff. But what I will always, I think a lot of people will always know him for is he was the voice of Franklin Sherman on The Critic. Did either of you watch that show? Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah, I never, I didn't know that. I love that show and I love that character. He, he also plays... Uh, a Q character yeah. on Voyager, Quinn. He's the Q who wants the suicidal Q. Yeah, he wants to kill himself. That's how I feel whenever there's a Q episode on. Because if I had to perceive everything all at once, like I was a Q, and I had to perceive like the other Q, the, the Q named Q, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a little bit much. It's like you drank too many too many Mountain Dews or something. You're just vibrating yeah. there. Is that Q episode next? Yeah, because, it, is. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at... Okay, good. I missed that. Dodge that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the Toss character. He, yeah. he actually kind of seems alien in contrast to most of the aliens that you see on on the show where, like, I guess most of the people who you see who are aliens on DS9 are integrated into galactic society, even if they're not part of the Federation. Yeah. So they all kind of act just like people. But Tosk here, he he's kind of, like, robot-like. He seems to... Th- genuinely think and speak and operate differently than most of the other alien characters which i thought was interesting i i think it's weird it's kind of split i do think he's a good character but i think in the first half of the episode he kind of acts like a robot or kind of naive when he asks like who are you or what are you he says i'm tosk is that your race or is that your name or your species i'm tosk and he kind of says it like you know well that's what i am but then later or he, he doesn't reveal anything about himself, but you kind of get that it's like he, he doesn't know. But then later on, it's just he seems more like, oh, it's my code of honor, but I do understand what's going on. Yeah, and I guess even when O'Brien first encounters him, he was talking about some technical detail of his ship, and he's able to talk about this like plasma flow thing in his ship, but he can't describe that he's a member of a race of people who are hunted. Well, he wasn't, he, he did, he had a vow of silence. I guess even, like, in Dominion, I guess, hunting, like, sentient bees is kind of viewed as kind of a, I guess, like, you know, they know that people aren't going to react well to that. It seems bad. I like the um, transportation effect for the hunters. Apparently it was based on the creation of Maria the Robot in Metropolis, the 20s movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like, I do like it. It's like a unique kind of like, it's very, I don't notice. Most of the transportation effects, they seem like pretty much the same. Like, I don't really notice. Like, like I can't really notice like, oh, the difference between like the Klingons and the Federation, the Romulans. Like, well, the Klingons all... are red. It's just, see, mostly it's just color. So I thought this interesting interview was like, it's really noticeably like a different, I don't know. I kind of wonder, maybe they sh- should have used it for like the Dominion or like a race that would appear multiple times. But I don't know. Maybe it's like too showy off for that. And they, I'm not, I just can't really remember it right now, but I remember, I think the, the first time I saw the Dominions, I think it, it is kind of like, it looks more, it looks different to where it's like, oh, this is more high tech than the Federations. But maybe okay. that's, maybe I'm, maybe I'm remembering these guys. I don't know. <laughs> One thing I kind of like in this episode is when O'Brien is taking Tosk around the station kind of for the first time and he walks by Quark's and Quark is like doing some kind of Quark thing. He's like tossing someone out for for not paying their gambling debt or something ridiculous. And 
while O'Brien's trying to give this guy the speech of like, you know, like, oh, we're Starfleet and uh, our goal is to go out and meet all new life and learn about them. And then you just have Quark being like a scumbag. And it's, it's kind of the neat juxtaposition on, on Deep Space Nine. If this was a TNG episode, which it pretty much could be. There's nothing really stopping it from, from being like Riker instead or something. And then they run through the, the ship. On Enterprise, you would never like walk by would it be Guinan Whoopi Goldberg instead of Quark oh, it would be, yeah, oh yeah it would be Whoopi it would be Guinan but Guinan wouldn't throw someone out of 10 yeah. forward everybody on 10 forward is always having a good time and always being really nice to each other yeah, except for when they couldn't sleep and that one guy was like oh they're all experimenting us well unless you're Jordy and you're being a quote unquote nice guy you're, <laughs> you're, you're using you're mad at women think they owe you but yeah mostly everyone in 10 forward is nice uh, and happy but yeah i i just i like that little moment it's not really like dwelled upon yeah. but it's kind of like oh, you're ruining what i'm trying to do here quark yeah i also like the little deep thing of like quark like he like doesn't like to be called a barkeep he wants to be called a host or whatever i just think that's a nice little touch of quark but he has like this for him it's a very that's a very important distinction it, i think it makes him seem more friendly yeah like that he actually cares about the enjoyment of his guests and I kind of like it's at the end. It's kind of like neat that he he's the one who kind of like gives like I guess O'Brien the idea of oh you you know just disobey Starfleet. Yeah. yeah, he comes to that realization while talking to Quirk. So it kind of does come together, I guess. Maybe the, I don't know if they planned for that, but now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of comes together. You know, I guess the show D Space Nine is gonna be like less without Starfleet protocol and stuff than like TOS and TNG were. But you know, I think they like mentioned that that was like one of their yeah that that was a goal that they had. Kirk and Picard and they, you know, and all the rest, you know, they would like, they could bend, they would bend the rule, like the prime directive, but, or like, you know, they would sometimes, they would come up with a reason like, okay, why they were doing, wasn't breaking the raw, even though obviously was, but I think like, yeah, this is like, I think Brian, the first time where he just like, he doesn't like do, he just says, no, I'm just going to disobey it. Does O'Brien take his comm badge off the most of any character? I feel like he does it three or four times in the series. Oh, yeah. I know he does it again in that... Well, technically, I guess it's the robot does him, but... Oh, yeah, the the fake O'Brien. I'll count that. Doesn't he do it when he when Keiko is possessed by a demon? I have to see that. I think Maybe. he does it then. Because yeah, he, he has to hijack a runabout. Yeah, so he may. Yeah, I think O'Brien just kind of has some rebellious tendencies... That's good. It makes him fit in on the show better. And I think, I don't know, I, I just, I always like O'Brien episodes. Uh, he's clearly the best actor at this point in the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's like one of the few Star Trek actors you really see in a lot of other, you see him in a lot of mainstream movies and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in Con Air. He was in that movie, like, from 2010, like, Get Him to the Greek. Oh, really? Huh. I think I watched that, but I don't remember him. Yeah, he was like um, Russell Brand's character's father. Colmaney. Is it Maney or Meany? I feel like it, if it's Irish, it's got to be Maney, right? Probably. Either way, got to be one of the worst names. <laughs> yeah. Colm. An Irish name, obviously. Yeah, and I think the most recent thing I saw him in was like a movie from a couple of years ago called Alpha, the Alan Partridge movie. He's actually in that as kind of like the, the antagonist. He's actually really good in that. He's like, yeah, he played a villain in Stargate Atlantis. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that because my mom would watch that show. Yeah, I, that, I think that show's pretty good. I, I would do a Stargate podcast. My mom would be happy to do it with, with you. <laughs> <laughs> not not be as much, but he's one of like the few Star Trek actors that you really like see in other stuff. Like even now, like um, you know, I work at a theater. We have like our 
we just got our newest mag like three times we come up with like a little free magazine just of like upcoming movies and like we just got one last week and he's like one of them has him in it like i'm not sure what it's about wow but yeah so he's still acting and stuff so it's not like you know a lot of abstract where he's just like doing like sci-fi original sci-fi yeah, movies or something. it seems weird that, like, almost no Star Trek actors go on to do anything else. Yeah, it seems like there's only, like, the captains or the... Yeah, it's like the captain, like, Leonard Nimoy did a lot. Like, it seems like usually the captains and a few others will. But yeah, I guess it's like, I don't know, I guess it's, like, hard to, like, I feel like a lot of times when you're in, like, genre stuff, it's like you get identified with it. And I think that kind of, like, hurts, like, hurt you, like, Especially, I guess, with, like, some actors, if they're, like, with TNG and, like, if they're, like, really popular, I think, like, you just become identical. Like, obviously, for, like, the original series actors, like, you know, I think they probably are all upset by now, like, those are, there's, that's what they're going to be remembered for. Well, I guess George K he's going to be remembered for, like, being the memmy dealer for all these, for normies, but, like, for the rest, like, I mean, they even know when they die, that's what's going to be on their obituary. That's going to be the first line, like, you know. Yeah, maybe they just make so much money from going to cons that... Yeah. Plus, from syndication and, like, DVD sales, I imagine they get... Now, now, I'm going to remember Jonathan Frakes for his illustrious directing career, uh, yeah. being showrunner of uh, The Librarians on TNT. Oh, yeah. Which I've never seen, but... Yeah, I think a lot of them became directors. Didn't Jonathan Frakes direct First he Contact? He directed First Contact, yeah. which is great. And also Insurrection, which is less Which is Frakes. awful. <laughs> yeah, why did he make a good one and then a bad one? I don't, I don't think that's really the director's fault. It's a bad fault. career it's just decision, I have to say, but... I don't even really know what a director does. They point the camera, or they, they sit in that chair, and they have a rolled-up yeah. version of the script. And they have that big, like, megaphone thing that they... But it's not actually powered, it's just a funnel. Yeah, and they have, like, puffy director pants. And they just... <laughs> I think you're confused, I don't know those pants. <laughs> I just know from the Simpsons episode, that like the radioactive man episode, like they do a jag on just like, oh, you're wearing those puffy directors. I mean, it's like kind of like the old time. It's like, you know, kind of like how most of our, you know, we visualize are based on how things were done, like in Hollywood, they're like based on how things were done in like the 20s. Yeah. I've been ever been done like that. Because that's where all the cartoon stereotypes are from, because those yeah. were made by people who were either in the 20s or like grew up in the 20s. So that's where all those stereotypes are from. It has nothing to do with Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. I did get back to the episode. I do like the shots of like when he's invisible and we're like searching for him. And you see like that shot of him just raising his hands like in a defensive mode. And like he kind of like also looks aggressive. You know, I really like that shot. I It seemed like the actor, he was pretty expressive in that makeup. I know he comes back like he plays a Jem'Hadar later on. I forget. Yeah. I think it's the one to ship. Like the one where they're like they're trying to get the Jem'Hadar ship that crash. And then later he plays a recurring villain in like season three of Enterprise. Like one of the Zindi reptilians. Oh yeah, the Zindi. Don't get me started on the Zindi. I don't know. It used to be that like they got shout out at like beyond. They do. Idris Elba's yeah. character, he's have it doing some kind of weird accent. So you can't really understand it. But he's saying like, I fought in the Zindi and Romulan wars. And that's supposed to be his motivation for being a, an evil guy that wants to kill everything with a mean ship if you become a little like you know a space ops for auto i guess that's also like well i mean i just i don't really have the looks for like to be the doctor or anything because i have to be an evil alien guy one thing i like is a little bit of space racism in this episode where at the start the dabo girl she she points out like uh she's she's talking to cisco about quark oh yeah she she's like look here in the ferengi print and i thought it's kind of racist to say. Well, I, kind of, I don't know. I kind of think, like, knowing the Ferengi, they might actually have, like, a print, like, something. Like, I thought, I don't know, I thought maybe it meant it's, like, the print is, like, written Ferengi. I think it's so, just like, the fine yeah. print. Like, yeah. it's, it's like saying, like, oh, you, you gypped me. I mean, yeah. ma I mean, maybe the Ferengi would be proud of it, but it yeah, still comes off be, a little like, 
I'm sure they would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that scene was interesting. It, it was an interesting scene to open the episode with someone complaining about Quark's sexual harassment. I, I kind of wonder, is there someone, like, below who would deal with that? Like, to, before, like... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's just weird to me that Cisco would be... If you're command of a station, he would have time to, like, deal with it when you're... Or maybe she went to Odo, and Odo was like, sorry, that's the law. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He hates Quark, though. I feel like he would, like, tick the up. But he is very into the letter of the law. Maybe. I don't understand Otis. Yeah, except code. except when he doesn't care about the law. Well, even this one, like at the end, like Quark, like when at the end, like he says, "Oh, I'm gonna go stop," and like Cisco says, "Oh, you don't have to hurry," and he like Odo obviously like gets it and then like moves very slowly. So it's so I guess even now he's like somewhat like he, you know he wasn't like like no I don't care that's the law I'm getting tossed. You got to remember Odo's a 15 year old. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> he looks like an old man. He looks like a gross, scary skeleton man. But <laughs> you got to remember, Odo is like a 15-year-old teenager. He's he, that's yeah. why he's so moody all the time because he's he just got turned in from goop. Why is Kira like, like a couple me? decades ago at most? Yeah, he he falls in love with Kira and he. What does Baral have that I don't? Uh, Baral can't turn into like a ma- to a bird or anything. <laughs> in Babel, Odo morphs like into a shopping cart type thing with moving parts. Yeah, like he, it has wheels and the wheels turn. How does that even work? I mean, a wheel. Uh, at least it's still part of the cart. He turns into like a painting, and 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 he he's like he sees he gets tossed, which seemed like an invasion of privacy. Like, don't you have? I I feel like the Federation at least would have, say like you have an expectation of privacy in your hotel room at Deep Space Nine. Bodo just turns <laughs> yeah. into like a painting and he says, I gotcha. What you doing in here? I gotcha. I thought that was kind of weird. I mean, I guess like we said, like we're still, I don't know if it's ever said like what exactly, like between the Bajorans and the Federation, I mean, like for Bajorans, that's okay. Bajorans have no expectation of privacy. Yeah. I like when O'Brien makes the hunter go through the little security checkpoint that they set up earlier and it zaps him and then he punches him in the face. I like when O'Brien <laughs> does little tricks with his engineering. Like, uh, yeah. he does later in another episode where he does, like, kind of, like, guerrilla warfare against Garrick in a in a pretty good episode. But What does he do? He, like, sets his tricorder up and it explodes on Garrick. He's like Walter White, kind of, like, using, like, how Walter, yeah. like, how, how Walter like, would use chemistry to, like, you know, cause explosions and stuff. Yeah, he's so, he's really, really badass, like Walter White. Yeah. <laughs> he makes the, the purest Ketracel white. <laughs> Catcher saw blue. Catcher saw blue. Yeah. I'm glad that we made the call to talk about multiple episodes per episode because there's yeah. no way that we could talk about either one of these things. Yeah, on their he's own. at this point of the show. Like, maybe when we get fervor and yeah. more. These episodes aren't very good. No, I mean, they're fine, but there's just not yeah, much going good. on. Yeah, they're very episodic. I mean, they're good for what... I mean, I feel like for. Like I said, I feel like for a season one, you have to kind of cut a season one of a show some slack because. You know, that season one is kind of like about finding out who you are. You have to find out like what kind of show you are and what your strengths are and stuff and who your characters are before you can like, I feel like you need to know that before you can really become a great show. It doesn't really become great until like they have the the, the creationism uh, flying spaghetti monster episode with Keiko and Kai Wynn. Yeah. That's when it really comes into its own. Yeah, Kai Wynn's amazing. Yeah, oh, I yeah. can't wait till She's we get the there. She's the best. Yeah, her and Dukat just... Oh god! I was just—you couldn't believe how happy I was when I when I realized that the end of the series was gonna have like this huge subplot with Kaiwen and Dukat, <laughs> the two best characters in the show. As far as the direction of this of the show so far, I, f- I feel like the pilot was really good. 
and then the next couple episodes weren't so great. But I feel like with Captive Pursuit, I don't I don't know why it seems like that episode's better than the previous ones to me. Because it's about O'Brien. Yeah, maybe that's it. Getting optimistic about the next few episodes. I don't feel like there's been any, at least in my case, I don't feel like there's been any, like, duds. And certainly, like, compared to, like, the first, I mean, we, I don't know what the first four episodes of, like, TN, well, I know the second episode is that racist one with the African planet. Oh, yeah. There will be no cure. The start of TNG is also very bad. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, comparatively, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously season one of DS9 is way better than season one of TNG. Well, they knew how to make yeah. a TV show. Yeah. When they were making TNG, I think they were just, like, getting yelled at by elderly Gene Roddenberry to do different things. Apparently, most of the problem was, like, he had, like, his lawyer was, like, apparently, like, a real ass. I guess there's a document. William Shatner came out with a documentary about it, like, a few years ago, like, the first season. Yeah, like, Chaos on the-, on the Bridge or something? Yeah. I, I really wanted to watch that. I, I, got, I should watch that. Yeah, but apparently, yeah, I guess I do understand it was, like, a very turbulent... Yeah, I would think it was, like, until season three that kind of TNG kind of, like, behind the scenes kind of got into a cop, like, steady, like, non-turbulence. There was the, that writing strike that happened in this in season two that caused most of the crappiness of it. But, yeah, I, I feel like season one of, of DS9, it's pretty good. Even though, even though there's we haven't seen too much great stuff so far, it's... Yeah, it's still got good characters. I'm not looking forward to the Q episode. There's, I was just going to say, I'm looking at the next two, and there's two less than good episodes coming up, but uh, maybe after that. Yeah, so it's Q and then Dax. <laughs> um, yeah. I Dax, think man. I think the, the saving grace of the Dax episode is I don't think it features Dax that much. I think it's yeah. mostly about Odo. <laughs> Odo and Cisco. Yeah, when, when I was a kid, I, I liked the Dax character because she was attractive. And yeah. now I watch it, I'm just like, man, why did they hire this person? So I don't think she's bad. I think the character is just lame because it's just it's like a it's like a tell don't show character. I mean, I think we said before, she feels like of all the characters, she feels like the most TNG kind of character, like you know, kind of like as compared to the rest. It's never what she does that's like interesting or like uses her her symbiont. It's always just like. Hey Cisco, remember when I was Curzon and we did this wacky thing? Or like, oh, I've been a mother five times and a father six times. But it's just she's just telling you these things that are supposed to make her character interesting, but she doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think it would be hard to like. It probably it's kind of like hard to like convey that, both for like the actors and the writers, like to convey that in subtle ways. I imagine. Oh sure. Yeah. I think the trill is just a bad idea. I like her, like, as a member of the cast. Like, I like her interactions with the Ever characters. I like, like, I, yeah, it's like, I think her, she doesn't tend to get very good, like, episodes focused on her, but I think, like, in Ever episodes, like, I I like her, like, when she's interacting with, when she's talking, like, girl talk with Kira, or, like, you know, talking, like, her and Benjamin, or, like, being with Worf. Like, I, and she interacts really well with the Ever characters. I think it's just, like, on her own that she doesn't, she's kind of, yeah. like, a little bland. She's a fine part of the ensemble. Yeah. And I kind of, I actually, I like Q. I, I kind of went about to think it is funny when he shows up and does. Yeah, I like, I like Q too. I, I just don't, I don't remember this episode, this Q episode being good, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't shit on it before we even watch it. Anyway, well, yeah, we'll discuss that um next time, so. Yeah, I, I want to thank Wrangle for yeah, being on great. the show. you're really great. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, I hope we'll have you again on soon. You're really funny. It's it's nice to have you on the show to make jokes. I feel like I'm kind of way too much of a straight man in almost all situations. It's nice to have someone making people laugh. Well, great. <laughs> but yeah, really, thanks for having me on. So thank you for listening to us and follow our all three of us on Twitter. 
And join us next time where we'll discuss Qless and Dax.